better than the way it's being run. Hello and welcome to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. In this episode, we're going to switch gears a bit and critique a really good, powerful, and Christ-centered contemporary praise and worship tune. The name of the tune is The Rock Won't Move. And even though the song itself boils down to virtually a one-sentence stanza and a bit of a repetitious refrain, this song is thick with scripture and the promises of God to us in the Word. As always, I want to thank Cody F. Miller for the use of his piece, Balium, that serves as the, that serves as the artwork for the cast. You can peruse his fantastic work at www.codyfmiller.com. As well, I want to thank Michael Omquist and Five Iron Frenzy for the use of their tune, My Evil Plan to Save the World. As ever, thanks to my ministry coach, Gene Talley. If you're looking for ministry coaching of pure awesomeness, please contact Gene at revtalley at gmail.com. And a very special thanks to Eli Bickley for lending me some professional sound equipment with which to record this cast. And I'm sure you're grateful to Eli as well, so even if my cast content is utter swill, at least you won't be listening to it uh, with nails like on a chalkboard. Thanks again, Eli. Also, thanks to my good friend Jesse Renault, who did this worship tune last Sunday at our church. He sang it so beautifully, it spoke truth to all who heard it, and indeed inspired the content for this cast. Thanks to Jesse. Just a quick personal note, please, please, yes. I'm begging you, please send me some feedback um, via Facebook at www.facebook.com slash God Still Speaks Through Jackasses or via email at discussion at God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. I know that some of you are out there listening and I'd love to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly of what you think of the cast. Thanks. Don't be quick, too quick to judge. And think that all praise and worship tunes are thin, superficial, and watered down. Personally, I enjoy contemporary worship music for other reasons than just the lyrics. In fact, the lyrics of a particular tune is usually the last thing that I think about or that I worry about. After all, (laughs) I'm a flaming metalhead, and you can barely understand the words to my music. And when you can, they're usually nonsensical, non-lucid. Thoughts of guys who, while being able to play their instruments really well um, at really insane tempos, are usually on one drug of choice or another. Uh, Alright, anyway, I digress. The words of a song are just the icing on the cake. I'm usually more moved by the skill with which the composer wrote the tune and the skill with which the musicians played the tune. But here's one where the icing, as it were was not too thick and not too sweet, but was more like thick, meaty gravy on some wonderfully made mashed potatoes. Reminds me of something my wife might make. The tune is called The Rock Won't Move, and my good friend Jesse Renault did this uh, this tune this past Sunday, and wow, uh, it spoke truth. Uh, it spoke the truth of Scripture to Christ's church, Christ's church that day, not to mention the fact that Jesse sang the tune just beautifully. Here's a recording of it.
The line of the first stanza goes, When the ground beneath my feet gives way, and I hear the sound of crashing waves, and all my world is washing out to sea. This reminds me of the story of the, quote, sinful woman in Luke 7, and here's that story. A certain one of the Pharisees asked him to come into the house of the Pharisee, and Jesus reclined. And look, a woman from the city who was a sinner Knowing that he was reclining at the table in the home of the Pharisee, brought an alabaster vase of attar, which is a very expensive perfume, probably worth about a year's wages. She stood beside his feet, behind him, lamenting, and began to rain tears on his feet. And with the hairs of her head, she wiped them off and fondly kissed his feet and rubbed them with the attar. And seeing this, the Pharisee who invited him said to himself, said inside himself, If this man, meaning Jesus, was a prophet, he would know who and what manner this woman is, and that she is a sinner. In answering, Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Teacher, say it. There were two debtors paying usury to a certain creditor. 
The one owed 500 denarii and the other 150. And not having anything to pay to both, he deals generously, forgiving their debt. Then tell me, Simon, which of them would be loving the creditor more? Answering, Simon said, I take it that to whom he deals most graciously. And Jesus said to him, You judge correctly. And being, and being turned toward the woman. Yes, uh, the, just on an aside, the voice of this verb is passive. So Jesus probably took Simon by the shoulders and turned him to look at the woman. And being turned by Jesus toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see that woman? I came into your home, and you did not give me water on my feet, but she rained her tears on my feet and wiped them off with the hairs of her head. You did not give me a kiss, but she has not stopped fondly kissing my feet since I came in. You did not give me olive oil for my head, but she rubs my feet with a tar. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, but to whom few things are being pardoned that person loves little and he said to her your sins are forgiven and they that reclined with him began to say inside themselves who is this that also forgives sins this is such a beautiful passage one of my favorites because i can so closely relate to two of the main characters (laughs) one of the characters i can't identify with at all that being jesus but anyway, <laughs> um, I relate to Simon because I'm so often puffed up, just like Simon, with pride. I think I'm better than most people, especially when it comes to God and spiritual things. But then when the sand on which I've built my hypocritical house of cards starts to give way, and then I see that big wave come crashing in, and I'm left with nothing, this is where I can relate to the, quote, sinful woman. And she was sinful. She wasn't, quote, sinful. She was sinful. And so am I. With all my world washing out to sea, I am then drawn and convicted by the Spirit to fall and weep at Jesus' feet. It goes a little like this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and slammed against the house, and it fell, and it was a great fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, not as their scribes. Now, I know that often 
we think about the wind and the waves in Jesus' parable of the foundations as the trials and tribulations of life. But I don't think that's what the wind and the waves represent in this parable. I mean, it's not totally wrong to think of it that way, but it seems like the wind and the waves have to do with God's law. When we're hit by the relentless force of God's law and our sin is made clear and brought into the light, if our faith and hope is in Jesus the rock, then we will stand. If our hope is in anything other than Jesus, we're on the precarious foundation of the sand. When the wind and the waves of God's law hit us, it will destroy our house of cards. The next line of the stanza is, I'm hidden safe in the rock that never moves. That never moves. This reminds me of Exodus 33, which reads, The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you, and will pro proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock, and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. I never really thought about the rock in Exodus 33 as being Jesus until Jesse did this to him this past Sunday. And, uh, you know, here we go. All right. Is there a Trinitarian concept here? If Jesus is the rock and God the Father is walking by, whose hand is covering the cleft of the rock? I mean, when I was reading this again, I'm thinking, okay, all right, if Jesus is the rock and the Father is walking by, is it like, is he like Mr. Stretch and he's stretching out this hand? Or is there something else going on here? I mean, it may be a stretch, but could that hand be the Holy Spirit? Don't know. At any rate, we're, we're hidden safe. And the rock that never moves makes total sense here because what is it that give, that, that, that makes us unable to look on God's face? I mean, it seems clear that Adam and Eve could look at God's face and so what gives clearly it had to be our sin that no longer allows us to look on god's face again as with the wind and the waves we cannot stand under the full weight of god the full weight of god's holiness and his law so as our praise tune suggests we're hidden safe in the rock that never moves Jesus, our rock and our redeemer, our salvation hides us from the law that would simply just burn us up in God's glory and rescues us from the ultimate consequences of sin, which is death. Like the rock from Exodus 33, our rock, Jesus covers us from the glorious wrath of God by his death and resurrection and therefore 
the forgiveness of sins. The next couple of lines I just I just love. First off, holding fast to the promise of your truth. This reminds me of what Jesus did in the desert. He goes like this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he answered and said, It is written, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind of our, as ours by the righteousness of, of, our, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises. Precious and magnificent promises. So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But when, but, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have a prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever was ever made by an act of human will, but by men, but by men moved by the Holy Spirit spoken from God. Now, friends, sometimes this is all we have. I hate it when people talk about knowing God's promises in your heart, not just your head. What, the, what that really means is you need to feel that God's promises are true. It's not good enough to just know that God's promises are too true. That's the biggest pile of BS anyone can tell you. Knowing God's promises was how Jesus defeated the devil in the wilderness. Knowing God's word was the more sure knowledge for Peter, a knowledge that surpassed his experience of seeing Jesus transfigured on the mountain, seeing Jesus baptized and in a voice from heaven coming down. The 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 thing that he trusted in that he built his faith on was the more sure word the knowledge that god made promises and no matter what he felt and no matter what was going on 
he could hold fast to the promises of that truth. Just like our praise song tells us, we can hold fast to those promises. When our world is washing out to sea, all we can do is know that our Lord and Savior Jesus keeps his promises. We may not feel it, but when, but when we know it's the truth, because the Holy Spirit caused it to be written in the more sure word of God, then there's nothing else we can trust. Friends, the truth of this worship tune is speaking um, none other than about God's word, the Bible. Sometimes that's all we have, and we should cling to it because the promises of the word of truth can be trusted above our experiences and our feelings. Satan will always try to get us to rely on our experiences and feelings. Our answer is to hold fast to the promise of God's truth. The last line of the first stanza, I, I almost don't have words to describe this. It goes, you are holding tighter still to me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I'm not big on bringing personal experience into stuff. That's so easily dismissed as, oh, well, that's your experience. And rightly so. But I have to say, I have tried everything I can think of to get away from God, to get out of his hand. Somehow he finds me. A fact of which I'm humbly grateful. Well, this is my personal experience. The scripture verifies its truth. You may run from God as I have. God will always come to bring you back to himself. Here's another quote worship tune that I love that sings of this truth. Pay particular attention to the, to the lines. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ. I'll stand. Yes. 
About the refrain of um, the rock won't move. Like I said, it's somewhat repetitive, but still rings true. The rock won't move, and his word is strong. The rock won't move, and his love cannot, it cannot be undone. The rock of our salvation. I guess if I were to rewrite this, I'd say the rock won't move, and his love is strong. The rock won't move, and his word can't be undone a detail I, yeah, I know but but the course but, but I took the course to mean this I mean really Jesus word is totally reliable we can depend on it no matter what 
Then after the refrain of the tune, the hammer falls. My my hope is in the promise of your blood. My support within the raging flood. Even in the tempest, I can see. The blood. The blood that saves us. The blood that the rock gives us. Just as surely as water was given to Moses from the rock that he struck. Again, hope in the promise. Words cannot express how we can trust the promises of God. Hope in the promise of your blood. That is a promise toward which toward which no promise can rival. The promise of the blood of the rock. There is no other hope than this. And let's just take an, an aside here, I guess. Promises from God mean a great deal to me. When God promises something, I, I can't get my mind around it. The God who created all things, the God who could squash me like an ant at any time, that God, he promises something to me. And this was no insignificant promise. He promised his blood for me. I sometimes wish I could make him take it back. I don't deserve it. But he didn't give me the promise of his blood because I deserve it. And you know what? He won't take it back. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from its hand. And finally the tune goes. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And when the darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. Again, it's not what I feel that makes Christ real. It's his promises that we find in the word of truth, the Bible that makes Jesus real. Praise be to our Lord Jesus for his promises to us. Praise be to God that our shepherd abandons the 99 to look for us, look for me, his lost sheep. Thanks be to God that when Jesus uh, puts us in the Father's hand, Nothing can take us away. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Thank you for listening to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. We'd love to get your feedback. Please visit our website at www.godstillspeaksthroughjackasses.org and please email me with your thoughts at discussion at godstillspeaksthroughjackasses.org or hit me up on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash jackasses. All third-party material is used under the authority of the Copyright Act of 1976-17 United States Code Section 107 Fair Use, including but not limited to The Rock Won't Move, written and performed by Vertical Worship, Provident Label, Label Group, 2013. In Christ Alone, written by Keith Getting and Stuart Talman, performed by Natalie Grant, Kingsway Music, 2000. Understand the exemplary feet.